The inaugural ACC-SEC challenge is in the books. What did we learn this week? And should we be concerned about Duke and Tennessee after taking losses? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Happy Friday. Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily year-round national college hoop show part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He is Isaac Shade coming to you before I head out on a flight to Las Vegas to check out that incredible Gonzaga-USC game. We're going to talk more about that game and some other fun games coming up this weekend later in the show. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Folks, make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. It's $150 if your team wins, so visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So yes, we are going to close out the show previewing some of the games coming up this weekend, including Gonzaga USC. We'll talk Kansas, UConn, some other fun stuff this weekend as well. We're also going to talk about some of the Ken Palm numbers in the early season. Top 10 teams adjusted offense and defense, what we think about those squads so far. But first, we're going to put a bow on what was in a very exciting inaugural ACC-SEC challenge seven and seven split series not in the way that we thought they would we got quite a few of our projections for how these games were going to go wrong which i think makes it a little bit more fun but isaac couple really really good teams taking l's in this tournament we're in this challenge we saw duke lose at bud walton arena to arkansas we saw tennessee (laughs) take that loss to north carolina giving up 100 points to the Tar Heels, Dalton Connect tried to do everything oh he possibly could to keep Tennessee in that game. 37 points for him. And and I guess starting with those two teams that lost there, Duke and Tennessee, where are you at? Are, is there one team you're more concerned about than another? Or is it kind of like, hey, both these teams played really good teams. They took losses. It's not a huge deal. Kind of where are you at with those two programs? Yeah, it's funny, Andy. That's a great way to put it. I think I'm at the same place with both of them. I'm not really worried or concerned. Yeah, you know what? They've got five combined losses, and it's December 1st. Uh, But here's the thing. You think about these losses to Duke. They go into Bud Walton Arena, where Arkansas preseason had knocked off the – you know, unarguable number one team in the nation right now, Purdue. I mean, that we didn't hear much about that in the comments about Arkansas winning that game. <laughs> no, I, did that happen? I don't think that happened. Um, but I mean, good grief. Hey, way to go, Hogs mm-hmm. fans. That atmosphere was yeah. phenomenal and contributes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, winning on the road, especially in that environment, is tough. And then Duke's other loss was at home to a really, really good and better than we expected Arizona team. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's three losses are all to three. Yes, it's three in a row, but it's to three top 11 Ken Palm teams, mm-hmm. including the teams that at the time were number one and two in the nation in yeah. Kansas and Purdue. And then obviously on Wednesday night to North Carolina. So Andy, I know it's weird. And I know the people that are only looking at records probably think we're crazy when we say this. But no, I'm I'm really not worried at all. You know, there there are points of it that I'm like, oh, Tennessee needs more non-Dalton connect offense. We're probably going to mm-hmm. find that out because hopefully uh, that ankle injury that he suffered at the end of the game is okay. Yeah. Uh, Mark Mitchell was kind of a no-show. Tyrese Proctor's got to pr- play better for Duke. So we've got some question marks, but ultimately I'm not concerned. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm with you 100% on Duke. I don't think I got much more to add there. Uh, with Tennessee, I, I, I think – 
it's hard to not be a little alarmed that a team that is really based primarily on their defense and their pace and, and holding teams to, you know, below 50 points, below 60 points, gave up 100. And I think part of that is a credit to North Carolina, who, who looked really, really good in this game offensively. I, we, we talked beforehand, Harrison Ingram has found his role in a spectacular way right. for this team. Yeah. RJ Davis now has a 30-point game and 27-point game so far this season. I, I think Elliot Cadeau, I mean, 10, 10 assists, zero turnovers, that is incredible. Against Tennessee. It's a freshman against Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, so I think this game said a lot about the Tar Heels. They also, you know, converted 32 free throws in this game, which was a huge part of it. But I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about Tennessee, right. not dramatically. I think a little bit more so than Duke if we're comparing the two. Uh, but again, Tennessee has three losses to really, really, really good teams. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to pick up quality wins as they get into SEC play. So I'm not overly concerned. I don't think that this team's ceiling is, is lower necessarily. Mm. But, you know, you'd like to have – if you're a team that's got – aspirations to be an elite eight or final four team you've got to beat sweet 16 caliber teams and yeah. they've played a lot of them and they they haven't won as many of those games as i think rick barnes and the and the team would would hope so we'll see if they can turn things around i'm confident but you know the, you, you probably would have liked to at least won one of those yeah here here's one thing i am watching for is zakai ziegler started for the first time this season yeah. it's getting back from injury um i think and he looked to me to be still rusty every time mm-hmm. i've Tennessee play from feast week to Wednesday night. He's not Zakai Ziegler yet. Yeah. Who are they going to be when he's ready? Because him and Dalton connect and Vescovy together. I mean, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy, let's stay in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And let me ask you this question. Yeah. Arkansas has struggled. I mean, by they were one and two in, in uh battle for Atlantis. And the one game they won was a game they should have lost to Stanford and had just lost to UNCG before that. Mm-hmm. Was do you think this was a reset, maybe a, a start in a new direction, or just another product of this raucous Bud Walton arena? And we'll see what happens when they go forward. Where, where do you lean with the Hogs right now? It's hard to not be uh, to feel a lot more optimistic about this team when they go out and beat Duke without Tremont Mark. Like that is a tremendous uh, accomplishment. For a tremendous, maybe. Hey, nice. <laughs> Um, the thing about Arkansas is that you, you don't exactly know how they're going to beat you. You know, I don't think Khalif Battle has been good, but he comes in and has 21 points off the bench in this one. Like, it's just inconsistent in, in a way that can be favorable to them in the sense that they have enough talent that any given player, like you're, you're trying to match up against them and you're like, well, we'll leave this guy alone. We'll focus on this guy. And they might beat you a different way than they won their last game. And, and I think that makes them scary to play against. But the consistency is just not there, and it's still early in the year. Maybe it will get there. I, they obviously have a lot of talent. I've I've talked about this a few times. I think they can out-talent a vast majority of teams mm-hmm. that they play, but they don't always outplay them. In this situation, Duke is one of the few teams in the country that I'm not sure they can out-talent, but yet they still went out and got a victory. Hard not to like that if you're an Arkansas fan, but I would want to see some more consistency. Maybe when Mark comes back, we'll we'll see this team kind of hit a stride in a way that that puts them back in that top 10, top 15 conversation. Because I think the talent is there, and clearly uh, they they can do it. They can turn it on in significant ways, like they did uh, against Duke. Yeah, and and hopefully Tremont Mark's back sooner rather than later. Also, Devo Davis missed a lot of this game with a little head injury. He's sustained in the first half, so mm-hmm. uh, they're they're figuring it out. Love seeing. Uh, Trevin Brazil come back from that zero burger he had against wow. North Carolina to notch a double double. Andy, a, a team that maybe be off our radar a little bit is Virginia, mm-hmm. who knocked off Texas AM at home. A Texas AM team, by the way, that got Henry Coleman back in this game, who himself had a great double double. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, we've been talking about, you know, Arkansas, one at home, great environment. North Carolina, one at home, great environment. Virginia, one at home. Charlotte, so that's always a great environment there in John Paul Jones Arena as well. But to beat a, a talented Texas A&M team by 12 points when Virginia only has about three possessions a game, I think, at that pace they play. Uh, Andy, what what about where this Tony Bennett team is at right now? Where where are you at maybe on both the Cavs? And then what does this say about A&M? Yeah, A&M, I mean, Henry Coleman was back and that was great, but he was kind of the only player who really showed up mm. for the Aggies in this one. 16 and 14, monster performance from him, but... Wade Taylor gives you nine on two of 10 shooting. Heffner gives you three on one of nine shooting. I mean, that backcourt combined to go three of 19. And and that's, yes, obviously, if you're an Aggies fan, that's frustrating. You need to see those guys be better. I mean, if Wade Taylor is truly an SEC player of the year candidate, you can't have this kind of performance. But it's also a, a huge credit to Virginia. This is what they do. This is what I mean, this is exactly what they do. And they went out and executed. For me, the concern for Virginia is always going to be the offense. (laughs) Right now, Ken Palm's got them as the sixth best defensive team in the country, uh, 101st offensively. They got two great players, Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn. Those guys are fantastic. All five of their starters scored in double figures. Their bench scored zero. Zero points, Isaac, from the bench. That's not going to get it done. I think some of those guys are more talented. Blake Buchanan has looked very solid. I I think we'll see those guys step up. Uh, Obviously, they're not going to have too many games where the bench doesn't score at all and they win. But the defense can keep them in just about any game. And I think we saw that in this one. A&M had a bit of an off night. That combined with the way Virginia plays, they're capable of beating anybody. And we saw it in that game. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. In order to beat Virginia, you really got to shoot well, right? Because that pack line defense is going to stop you from attacking the rim well unless you've just got superior athlete after superior athlete. And when they have that kind of shooting day, four of 23 from deep, you're mm-hmm. just not going to beat a Tony Bennett team. And so uh, that's where it's at for the Aggies uh, who find that out kind of the hard way. Andy, right now, there are four teams Inside Ken Palm top 10 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. Could this be an early peek at the makeup of the final four for us? Or maybe is it just some early season whatever? We're going to talk about that answer in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So maybe you've been thinking about joining FanDuel. Man, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. Beyond that, part of it, why I love it, is the app is super easy to use, and they've got this wide spectrum of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. In fact, we're just about to talk about some potential Final Four teams. They've got some Final Four futures up already. Purdue, plus 300. Arizona, plus 380. Marquette and Kansas, both plus 430. Yukon, Duke, and Houston, plus 470. And then Tennessee and Kentucky at plus 500. So if you want to get in on that action, man, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get in also on the NFL action this season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Oh, Andy. Okay. So one of the things we're often looking at at Ken Palm is teams that are are in the top 10, both in adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency. Like we were just talking about that Virginia team, man, that mm-hmm. sixth uh, being ranked sixth in defensive adjusted efficiency. Phenomenal. 
but they're outside the top 100. And oh, that balance is off. We're looking for balanced teams that can win on both sides of the court. And there are four teams right now that make that up. Houston, currently as we record, ahead of Thursday night's action, which none of these teams play on Thursday night, Houston <laughs> is ninth in offensive efficiency, first at defensive efficiency. Tennessee fell off after giving up 100 points. <laughs> and Purdue, they are fourth and 05 in D. UConn, six and 010 in D. Arizona, eighth and ninth. And Andy, not surprisingly so, those four teams in the order I just listed them, Houston, Purdue, UConn, and Arizona, are teams number one, two, three, and four overall in the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, we've got their schedules in front of us. All, all of them play this weekend. But Andy, as you look at this set of teams, regardless of what our preseason predictions were for the final four, are is this grouping of four one you could see being a legitimate makeup of the final four in Arizona in March, in April, I guess, by that point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. It's not usually the top, the four best teams in the country that make the final four. It's incredibly unusual for that to happen. But am I looking at any of these teams and seeing an obvious reason they would not make the final four? No, I'm not. I know people are going to look at Purdue and Arizona in particular. Uh, they'll focus more on Purdue. Arizona kind of got escaped. They lost to a 15 seed last year, but not a lot of people paid attention to it because of what happened to Purdue. But people will look at those teams. They'll look at Houston having some some not some success in the NCAA tournament recently, although they made a I think they made a final four a few years ago, too. So. They'll look at those teams, and and of course, UConn obviously won it all last year and maybe be concerned that Purdue and Arizona are going to choke again and not going to make it, (laughs) but... I those Purdue didn't do a lot, didn't make a lot of changes. Lance Jones was a really quality addition, but this yep. team is just those those guards are better. Uh, Zach Eadie's played as good as he's ever played. Like that team is, they look really really hard to beat. Arizona has made a, quite a few roster changes that they needed to make. They lost some guys. They brought in some some really talented players. I think Kashad Johnson was an incredible addition for the Wildcats. Uh, Caleb Love, Jaden Bradley, uh, quality guards as well. Keelan Boswell is you know looking like a potential NBA draft candidate. I think that those two teams have have done enough to maybe exercise some of those demons from last year. Meanwhile, UConn, I mean, they're just cruising along. I mean, this team is so good. Stefan Castle's out, not an issue for them. They continue to win basketball games. We'll see what they look like against Kansas. That's going to be a really incredible game. Uh, we'll see if they're managed to stay. They're hanging on to that spot uh, in the top 10 on adjusted defense right at number 10. We'll see <laughs> how they do against the Jayhawks, the Hunter Dickinson, Donovan Klingon matchup. I mean, doesn't get a whole lot better than that. No. Uh, that's going to be absolutely fantastic. And I love Houston. I, I'm a huge fan of Houston. I think I've continually had them higher than most uh, in our in our top 25 rankings. Uh, they, you know, their schedule hasn't been elite, and I think that people are kind of waiting to see how they do. Even against Xavier, I think that'll be a nice test for them coming up on Friday. But uh, the LJ Cryer addition is so perfect for what they want to do in Kelvin Sampson's offense, and I just really think that that Houston team. Is I mean, they're going to get really battle-tested in the Big 12. They're going to lose some games, certainly, but uh, these four teams are really good. Will they all make it? No, I'm not betting on that necessarily, no. but it's no. hard for me to find an easy reason for any of them to not make it. Yeah, I'm with you on Houston's schedule. The only other – outside of that Xavier game, they do have Texas A&M mm-hmm. on uh, December 16th. Outside of that, there's really nothing until Big 12 play, but they don't – really because of Big 12 play, mm-hmm. they don't really need to schedule things. However, two, two of these four teams – the next stretch of their schedule is absurd. Andy, UConn, as you mentioned, they're at Kansas tonight, Friday. Mm-hmm. Next Tuesday, 
They go to Madison Square Garden for the Jimmy V Classic, playing mm-hmm. Carolina, who we just talked about, then Arkansas, Pine Bluff, whatever. And then after that, they're playing Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. So three of UConn's next four games are Kansas, Carolina, and Gonzaga. Jeesh. And then Purdue. They've got a ridiculous stretch coming up, too. Uh, they're at Northwestern uh, today, but then they play Iowa, uh, back-to-back Big Ten games there. But then they've got Alabama and Arizona. So Purdue and UConn, we're about to find out a lot more about, well, mm-hmm. Both of these teams as well, although we've already found out a good bit about both of them. Yeah. Andy, let me ask it to you this way, because I'm I'm with you. No team that I look at on this list is a fraud in mm-hmm. any way, but nor would I guarantee, yeah, of course, these are going to be your final four teams. But let's think about it in terms of how you play in March, right? Like mm-hmm. thinking about in a one-off scenario, what what of these teams might be vulnerable, which of them have advantages because of their personnel. And so I'll ask it to us this way. Over under one and a half of these teams actually making the final four. Ooh, yeah. really tough question. Um, I would be pretty surprised if none. So I'm going to rule out zero. Yeah, I think at least one will make it. Yeah, but will two? Yeah. Oh man. Um, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under. I'm going to say one of these teams make it, but I think the parity in college basketball is at an all-time high right now with the transfer portal and all the changes we're seeing. And I think uh, while while obviously Purdue and UConn are incredibly battle-tested already, while Houston's certainly going to get battle-tested in the Big 12, I think there's enough parity getting into the tournament, playing teams in different conferences that somebody's going to – that enough of these teams might slip up. Uh, Arizona, you know, the, the Pac-12 is not as good as it's been in the past. They'll get a couple matchups with USC, UCLA, who – are currently unranked teams. Colorado's out of the top 25 too. So maybe a lack of a strong schedule for Arizona the last few months of the season is something that knocks them out. Um, again, Purdue obviously was great last year and fell in the first round. I don't think that'll happen again, but doesn't mean it won't happen in the round of 32 or the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. Certainly it could happen to them then. So I'm going to say just one of these four, but man, uh, it's again, it, it, at this point, it's hard to look at any of these teams and see any glaring holes on the roster. Yeah, I mean, that's just the nature of a one-and-done kind of tournament. It's just like if it was a best four out of seven, I'd probably say three of these teams. But, I mm-hmm. mean, uh, I'm trying to think, Andy, too, like which one of them, whose makeup do I like the best? Like yeah. if I were just picking these four teams are in a battle royale in a March Madness style thing, who is who is the most likely to be one of one of the four teams on that last weekend? And, and I don't know, like, I don't know if it's UConn because of the pedigree of last year. I don't know if it's uh, Purdue because of the hunger coming back of what happened to them last year. Arizona and Tommy Lloyd finally uh, making good on their on their regular season success. Houston just kind of continuing to cruise under Kelvin Sampson. Like, I could easily make an argument for any of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. I, I think I I would probably lean Purdue the way that their uh, their offense has come together. But honestly, it is very, very close. Uh, UConn, especially once Castle's back, we'll learn a lot more about them. Uh, Houston, I, I think there's a maybe a bit of a depth concern. But yeah. I, I mean, again, I think Terrence Arsenault is a guy who we haven't quite re- seen reach his full potential. Emmanuel Sharp uh, has kind of stepped into that role of the, the breakout guard candidate for them. But I, it's hard for me to see a lot of, again, not a lot of holes in any of these rosters. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that how that shakes out. I'm going to choose UConn, and here's why. I said uh, preseason, I was all in on Tristan Newton. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, love what he did as they get Stefan Castleback and just continue to thrive. 
You've got six, that success from last year. They know how to turn it on and what to do. And Dan Hurley's bringing it. Um, Arizona is a little too, like, I just don't know, like with the Caleb Love of it all, you know, like, what are they going to get? And so UConn is the one of these four that I'd go with. Well, Isaac, we got a huge slate of games coming up on Friday and Saturday. We're going to break down some key matchups for that Kansas versus UConn game. We'll talk Gonzaga versus USC and more coming up right after this. All right, Isaac, we got some phenomenal basketball games to talk about on Friday and Saturday of this week. Yeah, we're out of MTE season, no more ACC, SEC challenge, but folks, there's still some incredible basketball to be played, and we got to start with this matchup between UConn and Kansas Friday. It's going to be at 9 p.m. Eastern time as part of that Big East, Big 12 challenge uh, battle, whatever you want to call it again. these these got to be alliterative, Andy. That's yeah, right. why they got the battle. That's right. It's, it sounds smoother that way. Um, that's I, I love these these conference kind of conference rivalries, conference challenges, conference battles uh, to get that correct there because you get some phenomenal matchups like this. And, and Kansas currently favored by two and a half points at FanDuel. I'm not sure I love that, to be honest. I get why they're favored, but to me, UConn looks just like a bit more complete team. It's going to come down to that battle in the post. Donovan Klingon is not the scorer that Hunter Dickinson is, but he is a phenomenal defensive player. Can he play enough minutes and stay on the floor long enough to really slow Dickinson down? That's going to be a huge part of it. Also very excited about some of these matchups on the wing. Uh, Kevin McCollar versus Alex Caravan, how that's going to work. It's, it's a, a tremendous matchup. What are you looking for in that one? <laughs> awesomeness yeah. uh, like seriously Andy I, as you just said it but the matchups all over the court like you just talked about those I'm most looking forward to Dewan Harris against Tristan Newton like boy that is mm-hmm. that is two of the best guards in the entire nation um like in and, and it's almost like this is one of those games where a lot of the matchups are going to cancel each other out mm-hmm. and so who where's the, where's the one advantage, you know, like Kansas has been struggling to find their way at the shooting guard position. Can, um, can UConn take advantage of that? Right. Uh, what, like, you know, just all of those things who tinkers with their lineup, mm-hmm. how, how many points is fog Allen Fieldhouse worth to, to the Jayhawks in this one? Right. Um, it, it, like all of that kind of stuff I think's come, comes into play. And, uh, man, I just, I'm I'm so very excited for this. I'm actually going to take Kansas at home, not only to win outright, but to cover. Mm-hmm. But man, I I would not be surprised at all if it's like a, uh, you know, one of those where we're getting final possession wins kind of yeah. games, and and uh, and and they don't cover. But I, I'm going to go Kansas to cover. You know, three or four point spread. You'll find me at some bar somewhere in Las Vegas hanging out with my dad watching that game. So if you're out there, come see if you can find me. We'll be watching that one. Uh, Isaac, want to move on and talk about Houston at Xavier. True road game for the Cougs playing Sean Miller and the Musketeers. Uh, Houston's favored by seven and a half points right now, even on the road. Uh, Shout out Sean Miller. Tough non-conference schedule for them. They already played Purdue. Now they're going to play Houston, two of the five best teams in the country. We've talked about Xavier a few times on the show, missing some front court depth with some injuries right before the season started, which has really hampered them. But I thought I think they've played pretty well this year, and I think they'll represent a nice test for Houston. I'm still picking the Cougs in this one. I think they're a better team, and I think that'll play out in this one. But uh, I'm excited about this one, too. I think it's a sneaky, tough matchup for Kelvin Sampson's squad. Yeah, I mean it's and it's the kind of thing seven and a half on the road mm-hmm. that that's a little bit big for me. So yeah. I, I will definitely take Houston straight up. I don't, yeah. you know, I could almost see it more as like a five point win. And yeah. so I would actually take like ATS. I'm taking X 
Mm-hmm. But uh, it just feels like a big LJ Cryer game to yeah. me where he's just going to go a little bit bonkers. And uh, just Houston keeps on rolling. I have them getting to 8-0, and then they keep cruising until that A&M game on uh, December 16th. Let's talk Zags USC. Huge game. MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Uh, It's the second of a two-part series. The other game is actually Washington and Colorado State, which frankly is going to be a fantastic game as well. The Huskies haven't. You know what? I don't think it will be. Colorado State's about to blitz them. Yeah, I think I think Colorado State's going to win. I think they're going to win by a a good amount, but it should be a fun game at least. Okay, those Rams play the way that they've been (laughs) playing. But uh, obviously, the headliner here is Gonzaga USC. Uh, Unfortunately, Bronny James will not be playing in this game but fortunately there was a positive update on Bronny shortly before we hit the record button here he is cleared by his doctors for a full return to basketball he's going to have a final evaluation with USC staff this week and resume practice next week sounds like he could be returning soon USC's next game after they play Gonzaga is the 10th of December against Long Beach State we'll see if he's back for that one if he's not back for that one I think it'll be very shortly after that really exciting stuff but Isaac, to be honest with you, uh, while I think Bronny's going to be a welcome addition to, to the Trojans, their guard room is pretty darn fantastic without him. Isaiah Collier, Boogie Ellis, Kobe Johnson are, are I mean, it's a three-headed monster. Yeah. And Gonzaga's guards, they don't have that depth in the backcourt. Obviously, Ryan Nemhart and Nolan Hickman are very good, but uh, it'll be really interesting to see how those two shake out. Meanwhile, I think Gonzaga's got the advantage in the front court the That's way it. that Graham E.K. And, and Anton Watson have been playing, but this, this should be a fun one. That's exactly where I was going to go with it, Andy. I think uh, the backcourt may be slight advantage USC, but I think frontcourt, big advantage Gonzaga. And I think mm-hmm. that's what ultimately wins the day here. We've said it and I'll continue to say it. I'm just so glad, you know, we speculated all offseason. Is Graham EK going to be ready to go? Yeah. How will his health be? And honestly, frankly, across the nation, all of these guys that we wondered about seem to be okay. Yeah. Graham EK, Trevin Brazil, Zakai yeah. Ziegler working his way back. And that's just great. Way to go, modern medicine. You <laughs> win. Uh, but man, you know, Anton, what was that line Anton Watson had the other night where it was like 30 burger or something? 32 on 14 of 15 yeah, shooting. He missed good. more free throws than anything else. <laughs> good great. And that's against UCLA, you know? And yeah. um and so I, I think that is what we're watching for is can USC find a way to neutralize that front court? If not, mm-hmm. Mark Few's going to bed a happy man on on Saturday mm-hmm. night. No doubt. Let's talk Marquette, Wisconsin, because this game is on the road at Wisconsin. Fun in-state matchup here between uh, Big East and Big Ten here. Marquette is favored by one at Ken Palm. We don't have a fan duel line on this one yet, but one-point favorites for the Golden Eagles, Shaka Smarts team, uh, going against the Wisconsin team that has had some really good games, some not-so-great games so far this season. What are you looking for in this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, as you think about Marquette, it's thinking back to Maui, right? Mm-hmm. Remember just the way that they flew around in that Kansas game in the semifinal. I mean, it was just something else. Like seeing you think about like the way Oso is just growing into take helping take over. David Joplin having a great game. And let's not forget, I Tyler Kolek, I don't know about this ankle injury because it seemed like if that's what you look like with a bum ankle, man, like <laughs> bend me over and let's let's wreck these ankles below me because that dude is still running it. And so uh, like, but it's different. It's kind of like, you know, we talked about earlier with Virginia and, and going in and trying to do work against them. It's that same yeah. kind of thing with Wisconsin. It's so hard to go to Madison and try to do work there. And so ultimately for me, this is about um, that, that shock of smart havoc ball and seeing how that matches up against what Greg Gard's team uh, is trying to do. Andy, what, what do you see in this one? 
Yeah, pretty much the same. I think Wisconsin is going to try to slow them down. Uh, we'll see how effective they are at that. Uh, Shaka is pretty good at, at being able to dictate the pace and set the pace and play at his level. And I think Wisconsin's got some talent. Uh, they're a great defensive team. I'm not sure they have the offensive firepower to hang with Marquette. No, I would mm-hmm. say not. <laughs> uh, Purdue Northwestern Big Ten getting started. Uh, first conference game for the Boilermakers. Purdue's favored by eight and a half points. Uh, Isaac. What do you think about this one? Obviously not the strongest team in the Big Ten for Purdue to play, but uh, Northwestern is certainly going to give them everything they got. Yeah, they will. And again, this is another road test, and and you love to see these uh, Big Ten and ACC getting underway this weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. And for Purdue, in fact, it's the first of back-to-back Big Ten games. They got Iowa at home on Monday, so a pretty quick turnaround there. Uh, You know, going up against Northwestern, this is a team that that this year their offense is a little bit better than their defense. Slow. They are like 357 in the nation in adjusted tempo. And so, I mean... Andy, I'm just going to keep saying it until it's not true. When you got Zach Eady, mm-hmm. it's just like it's just such a comfort, yeah. whether you're on the road or at home or playing in Tokyo, Japan. I don't care where <laughs> you're at. Hi, my name is Zach Eady. I'm taller and better and bigger than you. Give me the ball. And now, as as you get um, Braden Smith and Mr. Lawyer having their sophomore year. They've already known what it's like to go on the road now in Big Ten play. Now they're able to do that with a little more understanding of it. I think Purdue goes in and takes care of work. All right, rapid fire. Four more games. I'm going to read them out to you. You tell me one game that you like and the matchup that you like, and we'll move on from there. We got Florida State at North Carolina. That game is Saturday at 2 p.m. Carolina's favored by 13 at Ken Palm. Maryland at Indiana. That game is Tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time, Indiana's favored by one and a half points. Uh, also tonight at 7 p.m., St. John's at West Virginia. The Johnnies favored by three and a half points. Um, we already talked about Colorado State at Washington or against Washington in Vegas. Colorado State 15-point favorites at Ken Palm. Pick one. Tell me what you like about it. Maryland and Indiana. Andy, this Andy, 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 Andy. Um, and here's why it's because both of these teams, you know, people expected big things out of Maryland. We mm-hmm. thought some of the parts of Indiana were going to be better than they were. Um, which of these teams, as they start Big Ten play, can make a statement? Will Maryland be able to go on the road to Bloomington and get a win? Or does Indiana uh, take care of some things and then McKenzie and Baco is passing out Taco Bell to everyone <laughs> afterwards? Andy, I think Indiana ultimately wins a home game, but uh, an interesting start between two teams that are like, huh? as we get Big Ten play rolling. What about you between these four games? I don't have the FanDuel line yet for Colorado State versus versus, uh, Washington, excuse me, again, they're favored by 15 at Ken Palm. If the line's anywhere around there, I'm honestly still taking the Rams. I'm going to get back-to-back wins over Pac-12 schools. This team is really, really good. Uh, I'm a little biased because I'm going to be at that game, but I'm really excited to see how the Rams look once again against a Pac-12 opponent. Yeah, I'm really curious to hear about Isaiah Stevens to the Mm -hmm. eye test in person. Yeah, Y'all, it's going to be a great weekend, and they're just going to start getting better as we get more and more into conference play, although we'll have the uh, the finals week lull coming up pretty Mm -hmm. soon. We want to thank you all so much for tuning in with us. If you would, come and subscribe to the show on video and audio. Smash the like button, and we'd love to have your comments. If you'd love to chat more college basketball with us, because that's what we do all the time, Come join our Discord. The link is in the show notes. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go, Wildcats. Andy, have a great trip to Las Vegas. And until next week, peace.